Few things are harder than the mission of raising your kids. At The Dad Project, we get experienced dads to reveal what's worked for them, offering practical, time-tested advice. Being a successful dad is tough, and we're here to help you get it done. Welcome to The Dad Project. This episode of The Dad Project is the first in a two-part series we're calling Adulting 101. In part one, Kirby Fike shares a live personal testimonial followed up with audience Q&A about the process of realizing that he needed to become an adult and how he decided what he needed to focus on. Kirby is co-founder of The Dad Project. He and his wife have eight children. My name's Kirby. I have eight children. I live in Ventura County. My wife and I um, have been married for almost 15 years. That sounds really weird to say. I remember I wrote that down in my talk, and it sounds really weird to say because it's gone by so fast. People have told me that my whole life it'll go by so fast. Um, Our oldest child is 12, youngest is one. Usually people, when they ask, you know, if you have eight kids, uh, there's two questions. One is, what kind of car do you drive to transport these people around? And the second one is... um, well, I'll get to that. <laughs> the second one is, um, so by, our car is a Ford Transit. It's basically like an airport shuttle bus. I'm sure everybody maybe drives one or if you have a lot of kids. I hated it when I had to buy it because I didn't want to be the dude driving around in a huge van, but it's oddly become normal. So yeah, having eight kids sort of feels normal now. Um, uh, the, the second question I usually get is, uh, did you plan this out? If you knew me earlier on, you would probably, you could already have that answered. No, I'm not a big planner. Um, So I did not plan this family out. It just kind of happened to me. Um, That's what I usually tell people. If you would have known me in high school and uh, if they were giving out awards for like yearbooks, there was an award for like least likely to have eight kids and be married um, sometime later, I probably would have gotten that one, even though that would be a weird high school yearbook award. Um, I would have, I would have had that. So like I said, um, not really a big planner and, uh, which is funny because Jim asked me to give this talk on becoming an adult after being married and having kids, but this is kind of my story. So like early on in college, I'm walking home from after classes on a Friday and I have a friend that drives by me and says, Hey, I'm we're going to a music, music festival in a little bit. Do you want to come with? And I was like, uh, yeah. He said, okay, so go to, my, go to your house, go pack, and then come back to my place and we'll take off. I, was, I had, was able to go to my house and get back to his house in 10 minutes. And he's like, wow, that's super fast. What did you pack? And I had packed 15 peanut butter sandwiches and a case of Coors Light. So thank you. I'm not kidding you, that's all I packed. I was very efficient, very efficient but I didn't plan things out very well. Um, Later on in college, when I was a tad bit more mature, um, I met my wife. Eight months later, um, I had graduated college, and then two weeks after that, we got married. Two weeks after that, I didn't start my first job. I decided to quit my job. We both quit our jobs, and we lived in Europe with a backpack for the summer until we ran out of money. Um, Career wasn't the plan going to Europe was, um, and, but, you know, eventually, you know, you run out of money and you have to come back. And so, you know, I come back, we get our first apartment, um, and I get my first job. We have our first child. I remember the, uh, nurse handing me our daughter, um, 
and she put her in my arms and I had this realization that this is the first baby I'd ever helped. Um, I had not thought much about it. I don't recommend, I recommend holding children before you actually have them or figuring that out. But um, um, I, we took our daughter home that night. I laid her down in her crib and then I tried to fall asleep and realized I couldn't fall asleep because I was utterly scared to death that she was gonna die on me that night. I don't know why, she didn't have any ailments, but um, I just can't believe, I, was, I just had the thought of, I can't believe I'm in charge of a human being now, and all I, I do not want them to die on me. That was my first plan for becoming a parent and a husband. So this is basically the talk, how to not to kill your kids. Um, I'm, I'm kidding. But imagine though, um, that when you're married, um, that your first plan is to not have your children die on you. It's really, I'm seriously not kidding, like it became that. Uh, so we, my wife and I go through life, we start having more kids, and basically it just breaks down to me um, trying to earn enough money in Southern California, attempting to navigate career so that I could you know, have, we could pers- maybe buy a home, um, we could afford rent, or we could afford private school and also you know, navigate careers so I can get more vacation and, and just earn more. My wife's life kind of breaks down to raising the children, um, taking care of the home because she stayed home, and then navigating their emotions and, and helping them become better people. My life is about making money. Hers is about raising the kids. And that's kind of how that broke down. In terms of my marriage, I really loved being married. I love, my wife and I are very, compatible people. Um, we see eye to eye on many things. Um, we love hanging out. Um, a lot of times it's like we would try to go out alone. Sometimes we couldn't. Um, sometimes we try to get away for the weekend, which we love doing. We couldn't do that either sometimes. But ultimately it broke down to like, okay, I'm going to work and then I have to come home for dinner and we kind of like have this mess and it's really difficult and it's a lot of work with the kids. And then we would put them to bed and have kind of adult time to just hang out and just enjoy each other's company. Ultimately, if I thought about my marriage then, she was somebody that I really enjoyed, like a roommate that I was romantically involved with, but she was a very good person. I loved hanging out with her, but ultimately she was a roommate that we had kind of two separate lives raising our kids. I'm sure she had lists sometimes for me to do, um, thinking about the home, and sometimes she said, you don't think about this as much as I do. Sometimes she was stressed out about stuff in life and I thought things that I thought were meaningless. Um, Sometimes she came to me with problems, I would give her quick solutions and she would get bothered by that. I.e. go to youtube.com and look for a woman with nail on her head. Um, Just pretty popular YouTube video. But ultimately, that's okay, I could deal with that. This is what meant, this is what was meant of having a happy marriage of just kids going to bed and us hanging out and having this time together. So that was my life as a husband and father after that many years. Honestly, if someone had invited me to like a dad project talk on the middle of a Saturday, I probably wouldn't have come. I didn't think I really needed it. Those, those kind of things I didn't really think about. I didn't really think about how to become a better husband or father in the midst of that. But about three to four or five years after having kids, a friend of mine invited me over to their house. Um, he had much older kids, and I just noticed something about his family, which was different. He had very, very helpful kids. Um, kids that 
didn't necessarily talk back. Um, if they did, they were reminded not to and they immediately stopped. Kids that are helpful in doing the dishes and, and didn't necessarily have to get prompted to do it. I remember once I was having to change my one-year-old and his eight-year-old son followed me into the room and like basically grabbed me a diaper and threw the old diaper away. I mean, he made a point that it stunk, but um, he was just helping out and he wasn't prompted to do it. I was amazed by this. I thought that they had broken some like genetic code. Um, so I would ask questions like, how do you get your kids to do this? Um, what, what is this all about? Again, I assume this is just something that had been passed on for generations. His response was, I wanted to, you know, kind of have higher level things I had never thought about that were kind of over my head of like, you know, I, I wanted to go against the norm. I wanted to go against culture. I wanted to raise teenagers that I would like as opposed to people that were whiny. His recommendation, because these things were so over my head, would be to uh, go get a mentor if you really wanted this for your life. And so I actually did that. And I thought it was kind of odd. Like I was, I met with some guy, uh, one of these guys for every couple of weeks and we would talk about my marriage, my parenting styles. Um, he would ask me questions that I thought, he thought were very basic. Um, for instance, like he's, he asked me, how do you, do you have a plan for coming up with how to love your wife better? What are you teaching your kids about virtue? Um, how are you raising your kids? to think about how to navigate the internet. These things I had never thought about and they were kind of embarrassing that I had thought about it. Um, at the end of these talks, these kind of mentoring sessions, he would say things like, okay, I just borrowed like an hour of your time away from your family. Make sure when you go home that you're a different person when you come back because you want to show your wife that you're getting better, you know? I kind of, through these talks and these, kind of these mentoring sessions, like I came to the point where I, I, I kind of just needed to grow up. And it was just mainly because I let life passively kind of come at me of getting married, having kids. Um, I didn't really think about how to be a, a better husband or father. You know, those things were just kind of just uh, points that I had never thought about. But ultimately it was just about becoming an adult. Kids that looked at me like, um, this, my dad incredibly changed my life, or you know, my wife looking at me like my husband does an amazing job of thinking through the items of our house, and he really loves me. Um, so <clears throat> today, I just want to talk about like that moment that I had of just becoming um, a better husband and father, and also kind of want to go through some of these action plans that I came up with that helped me do that, and that I think about on a daily basis. Um, first is just going to be, you know, the question of just like, how are you becoming a better husband every day? And what are some specific action steps that I take to radically make my life, my wife's life easier and more enjoyable? Um, I'll go over some of those. Um, what is the plan for raising my children to become amazing people? What is their view of me and how are, how are my actions helping them to become people that are confident, educated, and don't waste time on useless things? Um, and then what are my action steps? Maybe you go to seminars like The Dad Project. Maybe you listen to these podcasts. How are these things helping your family's life get better? Are you just consuming them and letting them be? Or are you taking action on the things you hear at these talks and at this talk? And can you go home to your wife and, and radically be different? So I'll start first with being a husband and then, to, and then I'll get into the children because I think it starts at the top down. So for a few months ago, I woke up on a Saturday and went out to, to mow the lawn. 
I looked at my lawnmower and there was no gas in it. So I went down to the gas station, filled up, and I come back. And I look into the hallway of my house um, and I see seven children. I have eight children. I see seven of my children looking underneath the gap in the door. The door is locked. One children's missing and it was my one-year-old. He had locked himself in the bathroom um, and they were trying to feed him thinking that he was starving. He had been in there too long. So there was no way to pick the lock, you know, like the hanger thing or use the credit card, that kind of thing. So my wife and I deliberated on how to get this one-year-old out of a locked bathroom. She started first. She said, I'm gonna call the fire department. I was, okay, I was like, that's a good plan. I actually have a better one. Um, There's a window in the back. That's a swinging window that you latch at the top. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take a hammer. I'm gonna hammer a small hole in the very top, then unlatch the window, go in there and save my son and be a hero. Um, She said, that's a really good idea, I like your idea, but what if when you smash the window, um, it doesn't smash a small hole, but the entire glass and you decapitate our son. Um, I like the pushback, it's it's always good to have some pushback. But, um, you know, I told her, number one, that's not gonna happen. Number two, this plan is better than calling the fire department because I'm not a wimp. Um, I mean, if there's any firefighters in there, I'm sure you do, but like, number three is that I'm gonna coax my son on the other side of the door out of the, you know, harm's way of the glass. So I'll coax him on the other side and the only thing we had is tortilla, little strips of tortilla. So we'll have the kids feed him that underneath the door and then he won't be out of harm's way. So this was the plan. So I go to the back of the window. Everyone's like on, you know, hanging on the thread of what's going to happen. I tap on the window. Nothing happens. I tap again. Nothing happens again to the glass. I tap a third time. I hit a little harder. It's just kind of loud. Nothing breaks. The fourth time I was like, okay, I need to put a little muscle into it. I, I hit the glass and everything shatters. My son is fine because of the tortilla. Um, but... Everything shatters. I have to undo the latch at that point. Everyone's freaking out because it's so loud. My son is freaking out in there. And now there's glass over the, the, the bathroom. I unlatch the door and as I unlatch the window, it slams down and makes a huge hole in the side of the wall. I get in there and save the damn day. You know? <laughs> um, but after my wife was kind of like, yeah, this could have gone better. Um, <laughs> Here's the simple thing about our wives, I think, um, and this is not simple because it's very complex too, but like, think about, they are very good at thinking through the logistics of our home and all those small details. They think about this a lot. Um, They think about our our kids on an emotional level, sometimes a lot more than we do. And and sometimes it's gonna just be about simple things to fix around the house, but sometimes it can also be just about It can be more serious, like your wife shows up in tears thinking something's just not going to get better or we need to help this other small child out in our house to to help them grow. It was common for me to say that she just naturally cared about these things and I didn't need to. I thought more about money because that's a big job in and of itself to support our family, especially a family that size. But again, and, and, and a lot of that is true, just because of our nature as male and female, uh, males are gonna think more about that, you know? I mean, females think about it too, but all at the same time, it's like, we just kind of naturally um, have those sides. The worrisome thing, and I think the problem with kind of the modern view of a husband 
is that men only focus on their work. And once they come home, they assume their job is done. So this is kind of what I caught myself doing as well, and what, what I thought about and how to evaluate in my own life to become more of an adult. So for instance, when I got home from work, I would, I would um, and I was still mentally dealing with the challenges of the day, um, I would walk in the door not excited to be there. I was just thinking about things. I had a long commute home. It was a really tough day, and I was exhausted, but I would look not excited to be home. That's number one. Number two is, I would, common phrase is, I need a beer or cocktail when I get home before I can kind of uh, talk to the rest of the family. I do that because I needed to uh, decompress. Sometimes your wife would see you get home or my wife would see me get home vegging out on the couch. Um, I, was, I didn't play video games, but it's very common um, to play video games to other people or watching TV while she makes dinner, she picks up from the night or she's getting the kids ready for bed. Or fourth is just uh, she in, in sees you incessantly checking your phone while she's trying to tell you something important. You know, or you're on the couch and she's trying to tell you something important and you're on your phone. The perception of who you are at your work and who you are at home is very, very important. Here's the issue. I'm sure most of you are pretty damn good at what you do at work. You're very virtuous at your work. You show a lot of virtue. You manage meetings. You manage people. Um, you're very uh, orderly in how you uh, take notes. You do a very good job. You get promoted. Um, people respect you. But when you come home, you're exhausted, and, you're, and you don't portray that virtue to your kids who don't see you at work doing those virtues. They only see you at home. Also, the issue, too, with your wife is, you know, possibly she needs help, more help around the house, and she might, you know, say, hey, can you do this or that? And she only sees you after getting home from work, and you say things like, you don't understand how they look at me at work. I work really hard to provide for the things we have. Yet, sometimes she might wake you up on a Saturday with that house list, which just equals more work. Um, you're paid to fix problems all day at work, but when she comes up with a problem and you give her a quick solution and a good solution, she doesn't think you're listening or she gripes that you're not listening the way you should. And also spending money might come more naturally to her and this kind of bothers you sometimes because you realize how hard it is to work for that money for your family. Some of these, many of these differences can kind of lead to communication or disagreement breakdowns. I think thinking through my own marriage and thinking with one, and talking with one of my mentors, again, he came back to that question of what is your action plan, how to love your wife more? And this is a question I've never really thought about. Again, I love being married. I love my wife. But like, um, how am I getting better at this? It made me realize, uh, you know, having this mentor kind of made me realize that if I was going to be an adult, that I ought to have things in order to be a good husband and father, that I need to stop acting as if my wife was having her personality at me, that I need to grow up in this direction, that realize that we are different people and we think about different things, that it was less that she wanted had some annoying idiosyncrasies and more that I wasn't making her life better today than it was yesterday. So here are some of the practical ways I thought about how to make her life better. Just some, some started small. Um, number one, my wife commonly has lists for things for us to get done on the weekends. I noticed a major change in her when I created that list myself. So I started going through things that I think that she thought needed fixing or things we needed to get done. And I did that myself. I noticed when I brought that to her first, she thought I cared a lot about her own world and, and I was able to love her in that way. 
Two, I, I viewed my life when I came home from work as dedicated time for my family rather than myself, and especially dedicated time for my wife. For instance, I made sure that when I got home, I was excited to see everybody, my kids and my wife. Nobody knew in my family what happened to my work, and to be honest, I kind of liked it after a while. I wanted to make sure when I got home, I was cheerful and affectionate with everyone, even though I, even though sometimes I didn't feel um, super excited what happened at work, I put it all at the door. And when I realized I came home when I was cheerful and affectionate, I realized my wife deserved that, you know, to come home and be affectionate with her. After I greet everyone affectionately after work, I walk up to my wife every day and ask her, can I help with anything? I make sure that my sons say this a lot, can I help with anything? It's often that she's trying to make dinner with a crying child around her leg. Um, someone's crying, someone's, you know, there's something that I can do. She would never let me make dinner because I'm an awful cook. Um, but I just kind of help her by asking those questions if I can help her. I make sure that before I sit down and relax at the end of the night, everything else is taken care of by making dinner, the kitchen's clean, kids are in bed. I want to show, show her that I care about the house just as much as her. And when the kids are in bed, I ask her about her day and try to find some solidarity rather than coming up with quick solutions. She prefers to communicate this way. So I just have noticed that like, once I kind of came to grasp with who she viewed me at home versus when she didn't see me at work, and when I came to grasp that my time is just not my own to waste on things like fantasy football at home um, or checking my phone incessantly or iPhone games, that, and I viewed my, uh, my life after work as time dedicated to my family, my perspective changed on my own marriage, and her, her, she changed her view of me as well. I just got more out of my marriage when, the, when I made these choices and when I decided to make these kind of more adult decisions. The other area, too, that I really investigated was when I was thinking about my own children, my children were almost an extension of her. And so um, that, was, that was kind of the next segment that some of these guys have kind of asked me, like, what is your plan for your own kids? Have you come up with a plan? Again, it was another area I had never thought about as, as being a dad. Again, teaching my kids virtue or their, and how are you gonna navigate the internet, entertainment, being constant learners. Again, these amazing families that kind of prompted me to ask questions on what, what was happening and how they did this. When I mentioned virtues, I realized one thing my kids needed work was order. I'm not necessarily a very orderly person. I don't pick up things very much, but um, my kids, it's weird. Your kids kind of kind of turn out like you. My kids really need order. I really needed order. For instance, like we live in this house um, that we've converted the garage to our boys' room. There's five boys in one room. And as you're walking out to get, when I walk out, I pass the room to get to my car to drive to work in the morning. I look in their room and I look over at my son and he's climbed up on his Chester drawers and he's peeing out the window. Um, I, was all, that was, I thought it was weird. Um, and uh, I, I said, hey, uh, you know, bathroom's 10 feet away. What, what are your, what, why are you doing that? He said, oh, uh, this is the tradition, Dad. I've been doing this for three months. So again, <clears throat> I definitely needed a plan. A plan to, I guess, initiate with them, to teach them about these kind of things not to do, 
Um, it would be weird if he showed up at school and he tried to, when he needed to go to the bathroom, he just peed out the window. Um, but like, you know, again, when you're teaching them virtue or you want to teach your kids, they are, you are the sole role model in your home, right? Your kids are going to look at you first. I, I don't, you know, you can teach them all you want, you know, and that's great, but you are the example. So again, getting back to the fact of like, if you're coming home from work and you are, you are not excited to see them, you are a grump and you have these things in your head, it's, it's like, I get it, I've done it, I still do it sometimes. You just get caught up in work, in work and you're thinking hard about it or you didn't have a great day. But when you walk through that door, that needs to change. You need to be excited to see them. When you get home from work, are you helpful around the house? Are you a cheerful helper? helper? I mean, it seems so simple, but are you walking around asking your wife, trying to take care of things? Or are you somebody that's just like on the couch, sitting on the furniture, just sort of taking up space? Are you encouraging and cheerful and affectionate with your kids? Do you view your time living amongst them as your time or their time? So uh, one, of the, one of the ways I did this was just, I just, you know, when I get home, I don't spend any time on, my, on myself when I'm home with, you know, if my kids are awake. I just kind of float into room. You know, I have eight kids now. My girls might be in their room reading, doing homework. My boys might be doing, you know, stuff like peeing out the window. And uh, I just kind of float and I just kind of make myself available. Um, I noticed if I was on my phone and I was just looking at my phone, then people were less likely to approach me. And then the last thing is, it's just like, you know, most of this is just like an attitude and being available to your family. Um, the Dad Project has a million talks on teaching virtue to your kids. I totally recommend. They're short bit. They're really good on your commute. Um, you can kind of pick through those and come up with your own plan. And then just like the last thing of just like the entertainment factor of just, you know, entertainment is obviously important. It's part of our culture. I'm not telling you to get rid of it. I still play fantasy football. A piece of my plan for them is just having a structure in their lives that teaches them that order to order their things in time. The, the kind of the modern view of passer, passive entertainment is taking up a lot of our time and our attention. And so that's also very important for our kids. You know, some of the practical ways in which I just kind of changed from being an adult, you know, uh, I mean, from being a child to being an adult. So like, those are things I, I kind of changed my perspective on um, in that way. The last thing, and I think this is probably the most important thing of your day and today, is uh, these small bits of information, it's a lot. Write some things down and take action. You are all on borrowed time. This is a Saturday away from your wife and family. It's one to four, you know, for some of us that commuted from different areas, 12 to five, uh, essential time taken away. Make sure that you go home and you're a better, better father and husband in some small way. For instance, like, I, I can't tell you how many talks I sat through in talks like this before I didn't take action or times that I met with one of these mentors that I didn't go home and do anything. My life, uh, me being a father, a husband, and my own lack of adulthood, and my plan for that is different, I'm sure, from everybody else. But just make sure you, before you leave today, have some small step that you're gonna take and action that you're gonna take. One really good place to start is to, you know, go home and talk to your wife about this uh, dad project live session. Talk to her what we, what we talked about. And ask her, when you go home, ask her what her biggest challenges about managing the home and life with the kids are. And then listen, and then ask if you can do it, what help could you be? Um, if that's something too big to manage, sometimes that might get into your own work and you can't do it. 
Start with your own time and quit wasting time in front of her. You know, do a pretty good audit of how you spend your time during the day and, and cut that down. Again, then my, you know, my advice for you is living in passive entertainment slash entertainment culture, constantly ask yourself this. When you think about where you are in your marriage and your life as a dad and where your family needs to be, and you get honest with yourself, what aspects of your juvenile pre-marriage life are still hanging around? Again, fantasy football, big thing, or some other hobby, does it take more time up in your house or on weekends and it takes uh, time away from your kids or attention to your kids? Or does all this time I spend away from the family benefit me in some direct way? So work is clearly yes, you spend time at work, it helps your family. But do you have like a regular poker night or a guy's night out that might make you tired the next day and you can't help your wife manage bedtimes? And yet, does it make you more virtuous and a better husband? Evaluate those things in, life, in your life. It is very good to go out and hang out with dudes. I do it constantly. But is it a consistent thing where you're staying out consistently and it makes you tired the next day? I'll kind of audit those things in your, in your life. This is something I did for my life as well. So the last thing is just like, I have my kids for 18 years, pretty much. Um, I have one chance being married to my wife. I wanna make sure that I'm a person that makes a major effect in their life. My, my daughter, I, I figure my oldest daughter, she's 12. Um, I figure I have you know, the first 14 of her years of her life. I, I kind of view her as an adult at age 14. I have 14 years of her life to, to make a big impression on her and to make her life radically different. Um, my wife's life, I don't want her to just be a roommate. I wanna be an incredible husband and radically help her life that way. All right. We're gonna do um, Q&A now, if we have questions based on that. Hello, Kirby. Hi. Thank you. Louise. What would you say was a piece of advice that you heard for years that you never followed, but one day finally clicked? It's a hard question, but is there, because I feel like a lot of us, we attend these things all the time, and we suppose that we know a lot, and we hear the same things a lot of times. Was there anything that you've been hearing for years that kind of finally clicked, and how did that affect your marriage or your family? Yeah, um, I think that um, I, I, one specific example right now is it's, um, someone brought up to me. Um, this was, gosh, probably about a year ago. They said, never um, bring your phone into your bedroom. I just thought that was like per productivity thing. Like I thought that was just for what per productive people said or, you know, like looking at your phone at night because of lighting, it keeps you up or something. I, um, but as I asked more questions about it, it just helped me understand. They helped me understand. Um, so I punt on that. They said, never bring your phone in the bed. I never asked questions around it. I just never did it. And that was the advice that I got. But I, I changed that. I don't, you know, I'm like, sometimes it will happen, but it's setting the example for my kids to like, when you're looking at your phone at night, this is kind of a dangerous time to look at your phone. You know, either you're gonna waste a ton of time or you're gonna be looking at something you shouldn't be looking at at night. And that helped me change my life, not necessarily because I was like looking at bad things on my phone at night, but I was wasting a ton of time and I was waking up tired. Um, and I just never thought about it, but I kept punting on it. And that was just one small piece. So, and I didn't, I also don't know the effects of when my kids grow up, they're gonna say, oh yeah, my dad 
made it a point never to bring his phone into the bedroom. They, he puts his phone away when he gets home from work, and then that's it. Hey, Gary. <laughs> uh, great talk. Love all the uh, podcasts. Amazing. Um, my question to you is, number one, what is your, uh, what's your nighttime routine right when you get home? Mm-hmm. The follow-up to that is, how rigid are you in terms of sticking to that routine? And how is that, third follow-up is, how has that changed as your kids have gotten older, new activities come up, yeah. um, et cetera? It's a great question, because I think that the nighttime routine is really important. It's almost sacred to our family. I think the tough thing is, is when kids get older, they have sports, they have play practice, those kind of things. But I'm very protective of our time at night, because it's one of the pieces where we're all together as a family. And I think it's just a ton of fun. It's a hell of a lot of work, because like little kids, I think, I don't know if you figured this out, but Berkeley scientists are studying this. Little kids are maniacs, um, and they need to be top order at the table, obviously, and it doesn't, you know, you can tell them a million times, and it's still the same for little kids. They get better. Older, little kids become bigger kids, and they get things you tried a million times to teach them, they get better doing. But our schedule is, I get home usually about 6.30, we have dinner together. Um, my older kids, and I don't have to prompt for them now, my four oldest kids either wipe the table, sweep, do all the dishes. My wife and I don't touch the kitchen. All my four older kids clean it by themselves. It took a good year to be like, okay, can you do this? And sometimes there's debate on who gets which chore, but they are, they are now locked in. They're like, oh yeah, I know I'm gonna be here, right? So they, they, they clean the kitchen, we get the little kids ready for bed, and then Usually, like, my little kids go to bed, and we actually spend time as a family talking in the living room, which is great, too. Um, and then they're kind of like, the older, my older girls are kind of doing their homework, um, my younger boys. And then at that point, I kind of, I read to them. I think uh, it's really important for me. That was, that used to be hard for me, like, as I'd go through this talk, because I was usually tired. And then I would say, oh, I want to read to you, but, like, that's changing for me, realizing how important it is to read to younger people because it helps them develop to become readers themselves. So that vacillates a lot. Sometimes it's not perfect. Sometimes people like are maniacs and they have to go to bed early. But we don't tend to, I don't like to argue with them either. If they break a rule and they know they have to go to bed early, if they don't do that, then they do. Um, but and then sometimes there might be a random sport practice in there or a little league and then, you know, we punt on it. But yeah. One more question here. Thank you for your very inspiring talk. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if you can sort of talk a little bit about how you individually interact with your kids and why, because I got two kids at home and I find myself often overwhelmed to interact with those kids individually. Like, yeah. Fairly as long as my wife and maybe the parents are off their home and you know, my wife gets boggled all over the place. And then here you have eight kids. I, I just can't imagine how you're going to split your time so that each kid would have a good good portion of that time. I would love to hear uh, your comments on Sure, it's a, a very common question that like, okay, if you have this many kids, how do you, um, how do they get enough attention? I think that's kind of an overall view. One thing is, is that um, it's just more people into the home. There's more love in the home. <clears throat> I tell people like, I literally get more sleep now having eight kids than I had two kids because, and I have more little kids in my, in my, in our home, obviously we have, four boys under the age of five. But for instance, they don't want to wake me up on Saturday morning. They want to, they, 
want to hang with my oldest daughters because my oldest daughters are more likely to give them the sugary cereal. Um, so, but that, I just like, I just kind of the general philosophy that more people in the home, more family in the home, there's more love in the home and there's more attention to go around that way. One-on-one attention, I, I tend to, like, I tend to segment it, but it's based on how old they are. So for instance, like, when I go to the grocery store, I make sure I take somebody with me just to get some time to talk, you know, to get out of the house because when you're alone with someone, they tend to talk more. I'll go, like I said, I'll go into their bedrooms and I sometimes one will just be reading by themselves and we'll just chit chat, you know? That's kind of how I do it, kind of with my older kids. Um, my younger kids are maniacs. I just try to get them to keep eye contact with me because that's about it. Hey, thanks for listening to The Dad Project. If this talk was valuable to you, please go to our website at dadproject.net and make a voluntary one-time or recurring donation to help support our operations. Any amount helps. Catch you next time at The Dad Project.